Thank you so much, Josh, for that introduction. Um, and I know that there were a lot of announcements today, uh, but one more that we uh, forgot about. Uh, today, uh, the wonderful Shirley Kwong has, uh, has offered to help host a discussion talkback uh, after the sermon today, uh, after church. So uh, if you feel like you have questions, things that were not made clear, things that the Lord might be doing in your heart and you want to discuss that with people in the community or like ask me questions, um, you can do that. And we will have a time for that. Uh, and surely we'll have some questions uh, to spark discussion after church today at 6 p.m. Um, so you have some time to talk, maybe grab some food if need be, and then we will meet back here and uh, yeah, and have a discussion. So um, and if you want to continue to do that, check out Patrick's home group. Um, but today will kind of be this one off special uh, talk back. So um, to get started, um, we are in our third week of our summer series called Behold Kingdom Summer. And over the last two weeks, Pastor Josh has talked about beholding the kingdom requires us to slow down and see the dramatic ways of the, ki the kingdom of God shows up. And then uh, last week, Pastor Josh talked about how Jesus proclaims the tension, the timing, and the tenor of the kingdom. And as a reminder, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we are talking about the rule and the reign of God in the world. The kingdom was first made known to us through the person and work of Jesus, but we still await Christ's return when we will experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. So this summer, we are talking about the ways that we are slowing down to behold the kingdom. So today we are going to talk about beholding the kingdom on the move. We will see that Jesus comes in close to us to give us a taste of the kingdom so that we can see how he's moving in those around us and then to give us an invitation to follow him on the move. So when I think about the kingdom of God, um, one of the things that I think about is the first time I ever uh, got ice cream from an ice cream truck. Um, I am a person who loves ice cream. Uh, I especially love getting ice cream before church, but since I was preaching today, I decided not to. Uh, but, because uh, nobody wants to hear a sermon from somebody with chocolate ice cream on their shirt. So I decided to pass today. But I love ice cream, and growing up as a kid in Queens, New York, we had the best ice cream trucks called Mr. Softies. They're top-notch. And one Sunday during the summertime, uh, the ice cream truck parked on the side of the church I attended and waited for people to get out of service so that we could get ice cream when we came out of church. And for me, I thought this was the greatest thing ever. So as soon as we left church, I look at my brother and I'm like, mom, dad, can we have ice cream? And I had like in, a, in an instant, I came up with the plan. I was like, we have towels in the back where we can make a mess and we won't get stuff on our, on our church clothes. Like, can we please have ice cream? And of course my parents were like, well, if, if you have the plan, you won't make a mess, like sure, I'll get you ice cream. Right. And so they agreed. And I got my Powderpuff Girl ice cream with the bubblegum eyeballs. And my brother got the Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles and we got our ice cream. And then everyone else from our church got in line and they got their ice cream, too. And then once everybody had gotten their ice cream, we were all satisfied. The ice cream truck driver turns on the music and then he drives off to the next destination. And for me, I was just like, oh, man. So I've come to, I came, came to associate that music with the ice cream truck. So anytime I heard the music, just like all of us, we stop what we're doing and we want to go follow the ice cream truck to get the ice cream. And this experience of feeling like the ice cream truck was there just for me, waiting for me to get out of church. And then I got to share that experience with my brother and then all of my church friends too. So now I, so then I kind of associated, all right, so when I hear the music, I got to chase after the ice cream truck to get the thing that I desire. 
So then I knew that, okay, when you hear the sound, you have to follow it because that's how you'll get the good thing that you're looking for. And in our passage today, like, Jesus is our Mr. Softy. Uh, it seems that Jesus comes to heal this one person and then ends up healing the whole town. But then eventually Jesus has to move on and people can either decide to follow and get the thing that they're searching for or not. But before we go any further, let me pray for us before we get into our scripture. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, this community. Um, and thank you for ice cream. Um, thank you for the ways that you come to us, uh, whether we're expecting you or not. Um, and you come and you help and you allow us to experience the good things that you have to offer. So God, help us to hear you today. Help us to see where your kingdom is breaking into our world. Um, and speak through me to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today, our scripture, uh, we are going to be at the end of Luke chapter 4. Uh, and this is where Jesus, this is right after Jesus has announced his mission in his hometown of Nazareth and was almost driven off a cliff to his premature death. Um, so understandably, he moves on to the next city of Capernaum. Um, so I'm going to start reading at uh, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 4, at verse 38. So if you'd like to read along with me, you can. Again, that's Luke 4, um, starting at verse 38. And the scripture says, after leaving the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, so they asked him about her. Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them. And as the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Demons also came out of many, shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So Jesus is at the beginning of his public ministry, and he's going from town to town announcing that, he is, that the kingdom of God is near. And unlike other kings, there are no heralds with trumpets, no motorcades, no fanfare to announce his presence. Jesus announces the kingdom of God through his proclamation and his demonstration. In our passage, Jesus is coming from preaching in the synagogue, and then he goes to the house of Simon, who we later come to know as Peter, to see about Simon's sick mother-in-law. Jesus doesn't just announce who he is, but he demonstrates who he is as well. When Jesus said earlier in the chapter that his mission was to give sight to the blind and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, proclamation and demonstration were two sides of the same coin. Like preaching and healing are both his mission. He's just not talking about the kingdom. He's being about the kingdom. So he heals Simon's mother-in-law, and then the word of what Jesus had done spread throughout the town. So anybody who had uh, somebody who was sick, they brought them, and uh, with, sick with any diseases, brought them to Jesus. And the Bible says that he laid his hands on each of them, and they were cured. And my first thought is, that is such an intimate experience, but also sounds like such a time-consuming task. To place your hand on each person, I bet that took all night. And then it says that, Jesus casted out many demons and he had to shut their mouths because they knew that they were shouting, you are the son of God. But I'm like, the whole point was to proclaim the ministry. But Jesus knew that uh, the, his ministry was to announce the kingdom and to proclaim him as the son of God. But the way that it's done is just as important as the fact that it's done. Jesus didn't want or need these random proclamations without the up close and personal experience of the kingdom. Demons might have recognized who Jesus was, but they didn't know his mission. And in the words of a, a certain Southern lyricist, T.I., you might see me in the street, but you don't know me. You might holler when you see me, 
But remember, you don't know me. Quit telling people you my partner because you don't know me. The demons knew who Jesus was, but they weren't helping the mission, so they had to be quiet. And this is like a pastoral side note that just because people know of you doesn't mean that they know you. And just because people might want to get close to you and are able to recognize your talents and your giftings doesn't mean they're necessarily for you. All hype isn't good hype. People will be like, oh, you're such a talented artist, musician, writer, whatever. But are they interested in helping you achieve the goals and missions that, you're, that the Lord has called you to achieve? At best, some of those people may just want to come along for the ride. And at worst, they may try to derail you at every turn. So just because people know who you are does not mean that they're for you. And that's a word especially to my root students. Everybody who wants to be your friend shouldn't necessarily be your friend. But back to the main story, back to the main story. Um, Simon brings uh, Jesus back to his house from the synagogue to heal his mother-in-law. And then Jesus uh, moves from this particular healing instance with Simon and then moves out to heal all of the sick people in the town. Jesus moves from this one personal experience out to the whole town. Jesus preached in the synagogue on a Saturday, on the Saturday because it was a Sabbath. But people didn't start making their way to Jesus until the sun was going down because that marks the end of the Sabbath so you can now travel farther distances and go to get healed. So Jesus was probably up most of the night laying hands on each individual person that came and healed them. So then verse uh, 42 says, at daybreak he departed and went to a deserted place. And the crowds were looking for him. And when they reached him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he continued proclaiming the message in the synagogues of Judea. So after being up all night healing people, Jesus got up early in the morning to go to a deserted place. Uh, in Luke, we see a lot that Jesus would go off to, uh, by himself to spend time alone in prayer. But the crowds from the night before went after looking for him to try to get him to stay. And part of me understands it. I could see why the crowd would ask him to stay. Jesus has done miraculous things and is proclaiming that there's even greater things to come. That's the type of guy I want to move in my neighborhood. But even now, and even now, sometimes we struggle with the idea of the already but not yet. Like, why would Jesus come and give me this experience but not, like, do everything? Like, why can't Jesus just stay here and make all things new now? But we don't we don't understand the mission and the timing of Jesus. Um, as, as humans, our tendency is when we behold something miraculous or experience something amazing, our instinct is to want to capture it, to own it, to control it. Like I imagine somebody went to Asia and saw the cutest panda in the wild and was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Hmm, what do I do now that I've experienced this really cute panda? Let me bring it home with me, put it in a cage so that other people can experience it. And now that's how we have zoos because we just want like it's like, oh, I, there's this really great thing. Let me take it now and like control it and own it um, because we just don't know how to experience a thing. Jesus knows that his purpose is to proclaim the kingdom of God to other cities across the region and not to stay in one place. But as humans, we want to contain things and keep them small so that we can control him control them. The crowd doesn't know the extent of Jesus's mission, but Jesus's purpose, uh, the extent of Jesus's purpose, but they know that if he stays in Capernaum, he's tangible, he's pocketable, he's accessible. And we want, in, in the same way, we want Jesus to be small and predictable, to move in these areas of our lives and sometimes not others. Like, don't touch that one, Jesus. We want a pocket-sized Jesus. Uh, the way I think about it is we'd love to have a Jesus that we can treat like a wild Pikachu. 
right, that we can just, like, throw the Pokeball, right, and, like, catch him and put him in our pocket to have it at our disposal whenever we need him, right? Because in our minds, we're the ones on the move, and we kind of need to have a Jesus that, okay, I need a miracle, go Jesus. As you can tell, I'm very much a 90s kid, right? But, like... <laughs> We want to have a Jesus that we can put in our pocket because we think, oh, I'm on the move. I'm, on, I, I'm always on the go. I got to have Jesus with me. But instead, Jesus is the one on the move. And we need to slow down long enough to behold the, the kingdom and to see where Jesus is headed and to follow him rather than trying to drag him along with us. So as much as we want to do that, we can't hold Jesus in the palm of our hands, but we can be in his grip. I'll say that again. You can't hold Jesus in the palm of your hand, but you can be in his grip. We have to allow ourselves to behold and to be gripped by the dramatic ways that the kingdom breaks into our lives and to follow Jesus deeper and deeper into the kingdom. Jesus allowed these people to have this intimate experience of the kingdom where they were able to behold the kingdom and they invited him to stay, but he invited them to follow. And in the account of the story in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus says to them, Let us go into the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. Jesus is showing that the people in Capernaum that, they have, that no one has a monopoly on the kingdom. Jesus draws close to us not so one person can have this exp- an intimate experience, but so that each personal experience creates a ripple effect through our world. Jesus is always on the move because the kingdom isn't a place. It's not a geographical region. It's, the kingdom isn't static. The kingdom is embodied through the person and work of Jesus. So we, if we are seeking to experience more of the kingdom, we have to be following Jesus. And we'll see a, a few verses later um, and d- dive more into that next week. But Simon in, accepts that invitation to follow Jesus, to experience more of the kingdom when Jesus calls him to be a disciple. And spoiler alert, like Peter accepts the invitation and follows Jesus. And then Jesus takes on the mission to proclaim the good news to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Like it started with this one small personal experience of his mother-in-law being healed that moved out to his whole town. And then eventually like to the end of the known world. And for me, if I ever need a reminder that the kingdom of God is on the move, all I have to do is think about our Roots Youth Group students. So I am uh, the youth pastor um, here, for those of you who I have not met. Um, and sometimes I will ask them, uh, where did they see God and where did they miss God? And sometimes they give some of the greatest answers. They find uh, glimpses of the kingdom at volleyball games, in workshops building cornhole boards, in their classrooms, and wherever else they may be. And then I can ask them the next week or the week after, And those will be the same places where they miss God. And apparently, more math teachers need to know Jesus because that's always a place where they miss God. I don't know if it's the teachers or it's like the subject, but that's a frequent place where they miss God. But I love that our students have learned to encounter Jesus in both the powerful and the ordinary good things of life. They have beheld the kingdom of God in their own ways. And my hope for them and for us is that we invite others into those moments that we will get to seek uh, we, that, yeah, that we will seek to follow Christ more and more as we behold the good things of the kingdom of God. And they are some of my uh, biggest uh, reminders and biggest is folks who I think I can see so clearly that they are like learning where their kingdom is. And they're like, okay, I see the kingdom here, but like it's not here this week. So like, how do I t- 
how do I pivot and like turn and change my vision to see where God is showing up this week? And as young people, you can like see the wheels turning of like, okay, like where did I see God? And I think for us as adults, uh, this whole kingdom summer is about taking the time to pause and say, huh, where did I see God? Because it, it might not where I, be where I saw God last week, but like maybe if I pause and like take time to think and take time to look around in my week, maybe I can like see where God has been on the move in my life. So the worship team can come up now. Uh, and I want to leave you guys with a, a few invitations uh, before I have a seat. The first is where have you experienced the kingdom and where can you invite others into that experience? Simon Peter had this personal experience where he had a personal need that he needed, that he needed uh, to be met, but then was able to share that experience with others. Where are the moments where you can say, I'm, I need God in this place, and how can you invite others into that experience? And then second, where are the areas where you are not seeing the kingdom of God, and you have to ask God to show you where God is active? There may be areas where you're like, all right, I would really love to see God at work here. But God, if you're not working here, you're, you're somewhere else. Help me, to, help me to, to train my vision to see where you're moving. And third, ask God where you can help others experience or see the good news of the kingdom in their own lives. Part of the end of, the, of, the experience, of Simon's experience of God turned into he had, had this experience of the kingdom, and then he turned that into a ministry of helping others to experience the kingdom in his ministry as a disciple. So for us, where can we ask God to help us to be those disciples that help others to see the good news of the kingdom in their lives? So as we uh, finish, I want to uh, invite us into communion. I want to invite us to take part in this kingdom on the move. Uh, whether you feel like you have been staying in place where Jesus has come by and you've, and you've let him pass by, or you feel like you've been running alongside Jesus, or if this is your first time experiencing the kingdom and feeling like this is something that you want more of, communion serves as an invitation for all of us to take part. When Jesus said, this is my body broken for you and this is my blood poured out for you, do this in remembrance of me, he invited us to take part in this kingdom that is always on the move and always seeking to invite others. So as we take of the bread and the cup, um, yeah, let us uh, take part in that kingdom that Christ invites us into. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, as we take part in your body and blood, um, thank you for, uh, for making a way for us to experience you. Um, and to take part in this kingdom that you are, are breaking into our world, that you are helping us to see glimpses of. So God, as we do this until, uh, in remembrance of you, until your kingdom comes fully into our world to make all things new, help us to remember you and to continue to seek after you um, wherever, may, wherever you may go. Thank you, Lord, and be with us. Amen.